Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Throughout this show, 
yesterday in the octagon uh, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, uh, I don't really want to call it an upset, but a lot of people thought that it was going to go one way and it ended in the first round another way, even though the fighter that won the fight did what was necessary to take care of business. And uh, Volkanovski lost his fight up against Islam Makhachev. I, I, I don't even know how to I'm, I'm I don't know how to pronounce Islam's last name. I'm trying my best to do it, but watching the fight stunned me because the last time that they fought, you know, Volkanovski had a good run with Islam in the first fight. This second fight, uh, the trainer had advised Islam to keep throwing his leg kick because he he kicks pretty good. And um, he, you could tell early in the fight that he was doing that early and often. The first couple of those leg kicks landed high, and uh, it didn't look like Volkanovski could, like, recover the best way he wanted to. Um, but in the latter part of that first round, he throws a leg kick that goes over the guard of Volkanovski and connects basically high around the temple area, stuns him, rocks him, and gets him to the ground. He just throws a barrage of punches and getting Volkanovski out of there. And Volkanovski admitted uh, he needed this loss to, like, kind of ground him other than the money that he pulled in. But this was definitely a stunner. A lot of people thought that Volkanovski, Volkanovski was going to run off with this and, you know, take care of Islam. As much as the back and forth that they've been going on through the past couple of days, it felt like that was going to be the case, and it wasn't. So this was a shocker in the octagon. Mike, I don't know if you caught wind of the situation your thoughts on this bout in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, I thought Makachev would win the fight. Uh, you know, he won last time, but when they fought in Australia, but Volkanovski was on top. Uh, you know, with delivering an offensive barrage towards the end, but he won on a split-second decision. You know, shout-out to Volkanovski for taking this fight with just 11 days' notice as this fight was supposed to go to Charles Oliveira. Uh, but I thought, yeah, I mean – there was no doubt left in this fight. And this is what happens. Sometimes you go up a weight class and then he just happened to get caught. I mean, same weight or whatever, he still would have gotten caught. But uh, I, I think Volkanovski still, uh, you know, he said after the fight, he wants to stay busy. Uh, I think he'll find, um, I, I, there's a guy lined up and I can't pronounce his last name. So I'm not even going to try lined up to try to fight for his uh, title at 145. So, uh, Volkanovski will be back, and this is a big statement win for Makachev, though, after that last fight was so close. Now he waits for Charles Oliveira or possibly Justin Gish. Uh, but, uh, you know, listen, this this is a fight that really, I think, puts Makachev on the map even more than Volkanovski. And, if uh, you know, this is 13 straight wins. Like, he's three shy of uh, Anderson Silva's uh, record of most consecutive wins in the octagon. So, uh, but big win for him, and he left no doubt this time. Definitely. And uh, the one thing about uh, <laughs> Makachev, I'm, I'm butchering his name. I'm just keep saying Islam because I know at least his first name. Um, he was hushing the crowd because he could tell everybody there was a, a pro Volkanovski uh, crowd. And you, you want to see those situations and knowing – I know a fighter or that passed away, you know, God rest his soul and Anthony Rumble Johnson. I remember he had a fight overseas uh, up, up against Gustafsson in Gustafsson's backyard. 
And um, I talked to him that day while he was out there on the phone. And I'm just like, Aunt, just um, just know if they're booing, you doing your job. You're doing your job. And he said, Ty, all I want them to do is shut the F up. I'm like, okay. So as soon as he, he won the fight, and when he beat him, he said it too. And I was like, he told me that on the phone. So just watching Islam do the same thing, like to hush the crowd when the crowd is kind of going against you is a whole nother dynamic of like being the underdog or the visitor and getting it done. And that thrill, especially when when it's just you and your camp against everybody that's in the building, it, it's something to see. That That's something to say. Um just to get that one out of there. Now, <laughs> I don't know where to begin with the diamond talk, but I know I got my clothes with me, and this is this is some incredible stuff. Okay, so for the past, and this goes further than the last week. <laughs> I don't even know how to do this. This, this is so tough, Sports City, but I love it. Um, let's go last year. <laughs> we all know how the World Series went down. The Philadelphia Phillies. Loss to the Houston Astros. And you guys know that I refer to a movie a lot in here when it goes down again, a.k.a. the movie's called Next Friday. Debo breaks out of prison, him and his brother, a.k.a. Sticky Fingers at the time. They searching for Craig. They come in the, you know, the new neighborhood where Craig and Day Day are. They meet up, and he said, it's the rematch, bro. It's the rematch. So this is what it looks like the World Series is online to do. Both of these teams are looking like they are on a collision course the way they are getting it done. Both offenses are playing so strong. Um, At this point in time, the Phillies' offense is looking ridiculous, but nevertheless, Houston Astros' offense is not to be denied. You don't know who's going to get it done for them. They always got a bat that comes up that takes care of business, whether it's Alvarez, whether it's Altuve, whether it's Bregman. Bregman's getting involved. These these guys can do it. They have the experience. And I think, I'm going to make this kind of personal. Stop now. All of the the booing and all, you cheated, this, that, and the third, they're proving it now. Now you got to beat them. No matter how bad you think it was, or it it, it is, it is bad. I can't say it wasn't. But enough is enough now. These dudes are beating you regardless. Put the drums away. Put on any signal stealing that they were doing. They are clearly beating you. Even the other night, Dusty Baker got ejected for some crazy stuff that happened um, where Garcia hit a bomb and, you know, Abreu had hit him again, well, hit him after his next plate appearance, and they both got ejected crazy enough, and Dusty got ejected. They still had the wherewithal to win that game without their skipper because they get big-name, little guy, Jose Altuve, to come to the plate and knock everybody in to take the lead. Um the Rangers have been playing well up until this point, or at least up until this series. Uh, we're on a hell of a streak uh, coming into the postseason. And once Houston stopped it, they really stopped the bleeding and uh, made this battle of Texas look like it's one-sided at this point. Um, Houston can seal the deal in game six. Looking at the Philly situation, I mean, what what could you say, especially with Schwarber and uh, Bryce Harper getting hot at the same time. These guys are both hitting the long ball at the same time. It's almost to the point where if these guys are hot, start walking them. You did it to Barry Bonds. Why don't you do it to Schwarber? Why don't you do it to Bryce Harper if you know these guys are going to hurt you? But you got to go after them. You can't be scared to not pitch these guys because you got to get the out. 
But um, these guys are making you pay, and everything that the Diamondbacks have done up until this point has been shocking. Um, they, I feel like they can go into Philly and steal one, but it's going to be hard. I know Philadelphia is going to be rocking. They're going to want to get back to another World Series appearance and try to revenge uh, what happened last year. But the Phillies are on cruise control. The Astros are on cruise control. Who wants this the most? This is incredible. Both of these series are at 3-2 at this point in time. Mike, I'll let you have at it. National League, American League, wherever you want to go, it's this is ecstatic information going on in Major League Baseball. So let's go first. Uh, first of all, shout out to the fact that we got two real competitive series, because leading up to these league championship series, uh, we didn't have a we didn't have an elimination game. We didn't have five games in any of the previous rounds. Uh, you know, very few even went four. Right. So uh, shout out to to, to to some competitive series, real quick in the American League, man. Uh, you know, shout out to breaking news, Brian Hughes, but he got on here last week and said the Rangers may be that team that doesn't lose a game because they went down and won the first two in Houston. And it's strange though, because Houston has played a lot better on the road than they have at home. And I said to him earlier in the week, I said, listen, uh, Houston, they've been there seven straight times to the league championship series. And to your point, TP, they ain't been banging on trash cans for seven years, right? So you might have had the sign stealing one year, and you can call that a fluke if you want to, but this team is for real. And I said, Houston's got the heart of a champion, though. you got to knock them out. And the Rangers had the ability to do so. They had a 4-2 to two lead late in the game in game five. After they dropped the first two games, they had that 4-2 to two lead, but then you, you, know, you walk a guy, give up a hit, two guys on. And Jose Altuve had been 0 for 4 to that point in that game and had only seen five pitches because he was swinging early in at bats. But the moment is not too big for him. He hits the three-run home run, 5 to 4, and they get out of there alive. Now we'll see. I mean, Houston's going to have to win a game at home. I think this pitching matchup, it favored the Rangers last time out, but we'll see. Uh, Framber Valdez against Nathan Evaldi today. Uh, so we'll see how, how that comes out. But the Rangers are going to have to find a way to get two on the road. I don't know that they can. Uh, but, you know, listen, Houston has been there many times. And when you've been there this many times, it is not by accident. You have to, when you get them on the ropes, you have to knock them out. And, they were on the ropes, and Altuve landed, you know, the haymaker of haymakers to get off the ropes and knock them down, right? So, uh, to me, Houston's in the driver's seat going home. They just got to find a way to get one. Uh, as far as the Phillies go, uh, you're right. I mean, Kyle Schwarber had one hit in the first series. Uh, he, the, I mean, the last series against the Braves. He hit the first pitch from Strider uh, for a double off the wall. But then the Braves shut him down. Now he's got going in this series. The weird thing about Philly is, at least as of a game or two ago, I didn't look to see all the RBIs in the last game. But with all these other guys hitting the home runs, JT Realmuto has been the RBI leader for them. Uh, but, you know, they're getting they're getting pitching. Uh, shout out to the Diamondbacks, uh, finding a way to win games three and four. And honestly, uh, you know, game three was a pitcher's duel. Could have gone either way. Game four, they had the bullpen game, man, and they still found a way to win. 
even after a bunch of free passes and the Phillies taking the lead because Craig Kimbrell, long-time closer in this league, sort of coughed it up uh, late in that game. He got got the three-run home run uh, late uh, for the Diamondbacks to come back and win that thing. But, you know, Philly did what they had to do in game five on the road. They came out and punched him in the mouth early, took the crowd out of the game. And, you know, listen, we talked about all year, the Diamondbacks, you know, being Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, and then what can they get done behind those guys? Well, Zach Wheeler outpitched Zach Gallen twice. And if you told me that at the beginning of the series, I said there's no way Arizona's going to win. And I think now we're going to see it. You're going back to Philly. They have the best home record of any team uh, postseason that has more than 30 postseason games. And I think they're going to close this out. But the Diamondbacks have competed. They got a bright future. I think they got a chance to, you know, be back in the postseason again next year. But like you said, man, it's looking for all the world like we're going to get the rematch. I, I, I was kind of with Brian earlier in the week, thinking that the Rangers could pull this thing out. But I know that even during the regular season, man, this Astros team hit really well in that ballpark in Arlington or Fort Worth or wherever that park is now in the Dallas area. And they did it again. So, I mean, we'll see. Both of these uh, teams go home with just one game to win uh, for each of them to close it out. So, uh, you know, for all the world, it looks like we're going to have a rematch in the World Series. Calling in by way of the West Coast region of the United States of America. I got my big brother, Breaking News, Brian Hughes, in the building. Brian, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Good, good. It's good, guys. Nothing much. Uh, you jumped in right in during the, the championship series talk. Uh, your thoughts on the American League, National League, um, with Houston and Philly both taking a 3-2 commanding lead in both respective series. How do you feel this going? Do you think the Diamondbacks can get back in it? Do you think the Rangers could redeem themselves? Uh, something that you spoke on previously, do you think that, that the yeah. Rangers could actually hold hold still on that as well? Yeah, you know, I, I I I heard I heard the comments Mike made, um, and uh, yeah, you know, listen, going into the series, I felt pretty strongly that we could potentially have two new teams in the World Series, and that uh, the the superpowers that be in Houston and Philly um, may not get back there. I I really liked what I saw in Texas, and I really like what I saw in Arizona. And to be honest with you, Ty, I haven't seen anything other than a, a, a late-inning heroic homer in the ninth that tells me that, that Houston is the better team. I mean, granted, the game, the, the series looks a lot different if it's 3-2 in favor of Texas, but I like, I, like Texas, I like Texas's chances in game six with Evaldi on the mound, undefeated in the postseason. Um, I think they still have – I think they absolutely still have a chance at this series. Um, you know, been a few few bad breaks or a few lucky breaks, depending on how you want to look at it. But, um, man, I I, uh, I want to focus a little bit on <clears throat> Arizona. So, as you know, Ty, I said it just kind of in just because, you know, Arizona, Arizona just, you know, they beat – you know, in order to get to this point, 
They beat back-to-back teams that had 90-plus wins in the Dodgers and Milwaukee. That really, honestly, if, if we're, you know, I, I'm sure nobody predicted them to, to beat. And uh, they showed a lot of grit, a lot of determination. And I think they've done that again this series. I mean, everybody, everybody last Sunday when we were talking about this said, look, you know, the Phillies are just, you know, kind of a team of destiny, if you will. And if you look at the way that the series started off with the Phillies being up 2 nothing quick, and it wasn't – I don't remember the exact score of the game's tie, but, I mean, the scores weren't that close. I know game two was like 9 or 10 and nothing. And for Arizona to kind of claw their way back into the series, um, I just, you know, like, like uh, Mike was saying, um, it just shows a lot of, of, you know, the moxie, if you will, that Arizona has. You know, it has not been, it has not been easy for Arizona at any point in this series. Um, Arizona, the, in, I believe in both games that they won, were trailing in the, the, the sixth or seventh inning. It was late in both games and were able to come back super late, like eighth, ninth inning, um, and take the lead. lead. And, you know, that's not a, a recipe for sustained success, but I do think it's a recipe for a team to, to really start feeling themselves and really start vibing and, and – uh, I understand the smart money is still on, you know, Philly. I understand the smart money is still on Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if either Arizona or uh, Texas or both still made it to the World Series. I think both of these teams have played remarkably well, um, considering the teams that they're going up against. And I only say considering the teams because these teams have obviously much more experience in this position. And, um I, I I can't wait for the game tonight. If the game tonight goes the way that I think it will, like I said, I, I like I like Texas's chances with Evaldi on the mound. If it, the game goes like I think it will, you know, then you're looking at a a game seven winner take all type matchup, and at that point, it's really anybody's game. So. Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting, Ty. Like I said, I, I know that I said, hey, I think Arizona and Texas could win it. Um, and I know right now they are both down 3-2. But I think they both played well enough to win this, uh, especially Texas. I think Texas should be up in this series. I think Houston has had a few lucky breaks, and I understand that that's kind of part of the game. But um, both both of these series are still up for grabs. I mean, obviously, you have to give the team that um, has the additional game and a best of four, you know, a race to four, the team that already has three games, the uh, the edge. But um, I don't think Texas or um, I don't think Texas or Arizona has played particularly poorly, especially recently, and I don't think that um, either of these series are over. So. Both of these game sixes are going to be fantastic to watch. Mike, would you like to respond? Because I do want to rebuttal one thing that Brian just said, but do you want to uh, respond also? Yeah, I mean, I do agree with him that I think the Rangers have the edge tonight with Evaldi on the mound. Uh, But, and, and I hope we get a game seven because 
there has been bad blood brewing. You know, you talked about the the hit by pitch and Abreu getting suspended these two games. Uh, those teams flat out don't like each other. And if we can get a game seven, I think that would be good for the for the game itself. Uh, but I don't know. I thought Arizona had a chance to get here when I saw their opponent, so I did kind of pick them. Okay, and and Brian, thoughts on this? I don't I don't think the the Rangers have a shot moving forward. I I think it's over. I think Houston is strong enough to get this done. Um, Brian, anything you'd like to say before I go to college? What you say? I said I don't I don't think the Rangers have a shot in this series. I, I think it's over. I, I think the Astros are going to run away with this. That's why the that's why the games are played on the field. Hey, believe me, this isn't this isn't a dream scenario as an Angels fan having to root for either one of these teams to represent the American League. I'm just saying, I think it's going to be a good game regardless. You're right. This is something that we do got to see, but I'm I'm buckled up, and the way that this team has responded facing their adversity, and the way that they got into the postseason, basically with Bregman, you know, egging on people saying, "Oh, we never seen Houston get to this point." And, they said they'll never know, and now they're at it and doing it again. So i got to give Houston their credit for where they've been and uh, how they've gotten here for the past, just like Mike said, seven years of being a thorn in the side of the American League and the Major League altogether, just to, just to say a little bit. Okay, so I'm going to do this as best as I can, Sports City. Just bear with me because uh, – I'm having a little technical difficulties. Okay, so in the top 25, this is incredible. Um, after all of the dilemmas that went down this week, I don't know if people heard, well, if you're around Sports City, you heard about it. The situation with Michigan Steelers signs, I have something to say after we get our little run through. But I'm going to get the scores through and then let everybody talk. Michigan wins their battle 49 nothing up against Michigan State. Michigan State is still having their issues after losing Tucker. For them to get shut down in this rivalry is is a clearly mind-blowing situation, but Michigan State is bad at this point in time. Um, it didn't really shock me how this game went, but Ohio State wins their match of 20-12. to 12. I thought the score would be a little bit more high-paced. It didn't, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is the truth. Um, if you didn't know, looking at his stat line, I think he's probably the best receiver in college football at this point in time. Florida State – uh, escapes Duke winning 38-20. to 20. They had the lead early in this game, was making it interesting, and Florida State turned it on in the second half and did not look back. Duke loses this matchup. Uh, Washington wins their matchup against Arizona State 15-7, in which Michael Penix had four turnovers in this game, but they still ended up winning this game uh, in a defensive battle in the Pac-12, no less, 15-7. to 7. Oklahoma wins a nail-biter up against UCF. I don't know how this got this close, um, in which UCF scored late, did not get the two-point conversion at the end of the game. Dill Gabriel and company get away with this one, extending their undefeated streak to the beginning of the season. Texas wins their matchup up against Houston, 31-24. And an interesting back and forth in this game. If you did not see this, the fireworks were there. Um but Texas does survive, remaining a top-ten team. Oregon wins their matchup against Washington State, 38-24. to 
um, in which Washington State made this interesting early. Oregon ran away with it. If you don't know about Irving, the running back, this dude is a monster. He refuses to be tackled. He might be one of the better running backs in college at this point in time. The shocker of the day for me, salute to the Cavaliers. Virginia with the upset of the day, knocking off North Carolina 31-27 to in Chapel Hill. This wasn't even in Charlottesville. This is in Chapel Hill where North Carolina just beat Miami last week pretty badly, too. Um, Virginia is playing, I, I think, truly off of emotion, especially everything that happened last year uh, with the shooting on campus and winning this one this is on the cross-state rivalry at that. Uh, Alabama beat Tennessee 34-20. to People, Tennessee had to lead basically through the whole duration of the game, and then in the late part of the second half, Alabama said enough is enough. They put their foot on the gas, and, and to me, this is how I feel Alabama should always approach Tennessee and put them out before they should ever get started. Alabama proved that they were the better team at this point in time, especially being in Tuscaloosa. They're tough in Alabama. Uh, Ole Miss wins their matchup up against Auburn 28-21. In Mississippi, um, the nail-biter of the day, probably the game of the day, and noting before the game started that they lose their quarterback for the year, Utah beats USC 34-32, to in which this is a game that I feel that this could have lost Caleb Williams his opportunity to win a back-to-back -back situation in the Heisman. Even though he's putting up the points, his team has to follow. Um, I put a lot of this on Lincoln Riley's feet for them to not be able to play defense. They are at home. This is the first loss that Lincoln Riley has suffered this season at the Coliseum. So this is interesting itself. Uh, I know my co-host is happy for this one. LSU with a shutout up against Army, 62 to nothing, throttling the Army. Uh, Missouri wins their matchup against South Carolina, 34-12. People, I, I know I'm harsh on him, but I, I have to because of the past two or three seasons, where's Spencer Rattler? 12 points? Like, come on, are you really going to be ready for the pros? I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm, – I'm, i got to leave you alone so you can prove that you can put three wins together. Put three wins together. I think that's why Oklahoma <laughs> messed with Caleb Williams and they got rid of both of y'all. Well, Caleb left on his own. Um, Air Force beats the Navy 17-6. to uh, Tulane wins their matchup against North Texas 35-28. to uh, Minnesota beats Iowa 12-10. to 10. That's the funny part about Iowa. They always have stud players on their team. They just do not put up enough offense with good offensive players for over the past couple of years. They just don't have a good standard offensively. I don't know how that works out. And around out the top 25, UCLA throttles Stanford. After Stanford just had a big win the other day up against Colorado, winning this one 42-7 in Stanford. Um, I'll go to you first on this one, Mike. Your thoughts around the top 25 in uh, the scores from yesterday? First of all, can we stop ranking Iowa? Uh, just, like, just don't do it anymore. Uh, they had a punt return. They got called back because the dude waved his arm for a fair catch and then going to try to catch the ball and run it for a touchdown. Um, this is not a very good Minnesota team that beat them either. Uh and same with North Carolina, man. Like, same on you guys. Mac Brown even kind of warned his team, don't eat the poisonous cheese this week. But this is a Virginia team that 
you know, respect to them with everything that they've gone through. But this, that's a one-win team, yo. I mean, this is a team that got throttled by by Tennessee uh, early in the season. This is not a very good Virginia football team. Classic letdown game. I feel like Mac Brown's teams uh, fall victim to that on a regular. This is the first time that Ole Miss has beaten Auburn in back-to-back seasons since 1951 and 52. So 70-plus years uh, since that's happened. That was a much closer game than I think a lot of people expected, but it was at Auburn. Uh, So, you know, hey – as far as Alabama, Tennessee, you had 20 to 7 at halftime, Tennessee moving the ball, and then all of a sudden they can't score anything in the second half. I don't know what Nick Saban said at halftime, but it worked. It's, it's really interesting because I said this about Alabama last week. I think this is a flawed team that somehow still finds a way to get it done. Uh, you know, Hopefully that loss comes in two weeks uh, against LSU, but everything that they still want to play for, and the conference is still out in front of them. Uh, I'll kind of hold off on the on the USC thing because I feel like uh, breaking news may want to talk about uh, what happened in the Pac-12 there. But hit it. I guess what'd you say, man? Hit it, man. Hit it. No, nah, I mean, I, to no nah, to me, like Lincoln Riley's teams, man, just they they don't play defense and. To me, you got a Utah team without their starting quarterback. Uh, there's no excuse for not winning this game. I I thought this week was, was really strange because, you know, you just look at it. You didn't see a lot of great games, man. But at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you mentioned it, TP. Oklahoma barely survived. Uh, Texas barely survived. Listen, they, were, they, they had a fourth down. The pass was just a little bit off. But Houston had a fourth down on, like, the six-yard line. They were right down there trying to score a tying touchdown. Spencer Rather ran for his life all day yesterday. Uh, got sacked six times in the first half. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, you know, uh, the last thing I'll talk about real quick is Penn State's still not there yet. One for 16 on third down against any team's not going to get it done. But especially against Ohio State, I feel like Ohio State's defense showed up and Penn State showed up defensively, too. Uh, but, you know, Penn State has a chance in November against Michigan to prove that they've moved up, but uh, nothing I saw yesterday tells me that Penn State uh, is any better than the third-best team in the Big Ten. Um, Mike, I 1,000% agree with you about Penn State. Matter of fact, before I get it to Brian, I do not even want to pile on them, but, like, when do you guys prove that you're one of the better teams in the conference? I get it that they rank you guys so high, and I I get it that they they like Franklin as a coach, and he's one of those prestigious coaches that you want to see do good. They can't beat Michigan or Ohio State, period. It's always the cream of the crop. That's how you wait to see how the end of the season goes. If Ohio State beats Michigan or Michigan beats Ohio State, Penn State clearly cannot handle that. That's an alarming stat. One for 16, like, come you got to be able to get this done. You got to be able to move the chains. I take you for joke right now, Penn State. I'm sorry. You guys uh, get considerable consideration at the end of the day, and for Ohio State to keep their thumb on you for the last, I think, seven meetings. They're seven and zero. Oh. This, <laughs> this almost looks like how Ohio State had had their thumb on Michigan from I want to say from the year 2000 till around like the past four or five years. 
I think Michigan just started putting some wins together through, through the Hutchinson era. This this has to stop. This has to stop. I don't I don't I'm tired of people trying to give the Big Ten credit. Enough is enough. You guys play interesting football at the end of the day. They they uh put you all over T V screens here and there and at the end of the day it's Michigan or Ohio State at the end of the year. It's always like that. I I, I could care less on how you do or Minnesota beating Nebraska. Nebraska is barely surviving beating Northwestern. They're not the same. Like, who, who's – you just heard Mike said, don't rank Iowa. Iowa's always there. Iowa win the first nine or ten games of the season, get to the Big Ten championship and get throttled. Like, I'm done with the Big Ten. Do not overrate them. <laughs> In the words of Sirius, miss me with that one. And this is his team at the end of the day. I'm I'm tired of it. Ohio State – is doing their thing. They are the cream of the crop in that one, but they have to figure out Michigan right now because Michigan got back into that battle uh, between the two of them. But other than that, I don't see any other team that stops them year in and year out at the same pace. Um, hey, Brian, real quick, your thoughts Steve, before you, oh, before you go get ahead, to Brian, yeah, can I ask you one question real quick? Yes. Okay, I I know you were kind of down on your on your boys, but you had the true freshman quarterback play last night and hey, played hey, well. Hey, 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 you, hey, hey, you got took care of the Tigers hey, last night. Talk hey, about hey, that a little hey, bit before you pass it hey, on. Hey, 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 hey! I don't know what to say about that game. Um, um, I'm trying my best because I'm smiling hard now. Um, I didn't want to talk about them at all because uh, I have high hopes in Emory Williams. I, I think that he could be a good quarterback. Uh, he can move if the pressure comes. He just He's young. He's so young, and you can see it when he was playing. That's the one thing about Tyler Van Dyke that bothers me, is that Tyler can run to be of his stature and won't, and he'll turn the ball over. And Tyler's one of the, the quarterbacks around the nation that they're mm-hmm. watching a lot, and he's not been performing up to par. The way that Miami took that game yesterday – I, the entire game, I'm like, Miami couldn't win this game. Like, not even how the score was going or how Miami was doing their thing. I, I just felt Miami was the stronger team. And personally, I'm sorry, Sports City. I, I try to do as much as I can to stay away from my teams and try to do this as analytical as possible without putting my personal touch to it. I am nowhere near a Dabble Sweeney fan at all. So you do not know how happy I am to beat Dabble Sweeney. They just – just to see his face on that last play, um, he did. They ran a a read option at the goal line, basically to try to you know advance the game in overtime. And um, Klubnik made the read and kept the ball and tried to outrun uh, Flag Junior to the perimeter. And if you're doing your homework, you're a quarterback. If you're doing your homework for years, this is this has been as long as I've been a fan of Miami. You cannot beat a hurricane team east and west. You can't. I don't care who you think you are. If you think you're going to outrun a corner, you're going to outrun a safety, a line. These dudes have speed. Flag Jr. caught Klubnik in a second. Like, like for him to be a linebacker and Klubnik had the step on him, he caught up to him so quick, I, I, I felt it. I was like, game over. Game over. And, and, and me, see, you got me talking about him. The, the fan of me was just like, looking at the field like, please don't be no flag. Because it's it just me, the fandom in my team's like, something's going to happen. The ref's going to call offsides or, you know, and the way that he tackled him, it was a near 
horse collar, but he didn't grab the back of it. I was wondering if they were going to call that horse collar. I'm like, please don't let it happen. They didn't. I jumped out of my skin when he made that tackle. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You don't know. And just watching Dabble State, that he he went yelling at Klubnik like, why did you do that? Why did you make that read? I just, just watching him yell. I, I, I felt so good watching Dabble lose, especially to my boys, finally, about that. I, I'm sorry, Sports City. That just got real personal. I apologize. <laughs> I, I try to stay away from it. Y'all can blame Mike for that one. Blame Mike. Uh, Brian, your thoughts on the top 25, how the scores went. If you would like to talk about the, the Clemson-Miami game as well, you can. Well, <clears throat> unfortunately, due to a work obligation, <clears throat> I didn't get to see that game, and I didn't get to see a few others. But um, I, I will touch on a couple games. Um, and, and keep in mind, Sports City, that – Unfortunately, I didn't get to see as many games as I would have liked. But to me, to me, the game, the game of the day was Duke and Florida State. Um, I know when you look at the final score and you see 38-20, you probably think, how can this be the, the, the game of the day? Well, it was a back-and-forth affair where the lead either changed or tied six times, and uh, Florida State – Florida State didn't really kind of, kind of uh, take the lead and kind of shoot away until the fourth quarter, and um, you know as you guys know, Leonard the QB for for uh, Duke ended up getting injured and going out. But man, I really, you, you know, I've said this before, Ty. Duke Duke is just one of those teams that like hang around, hang around. They'll make a couple big plays. And and they just they just stay in stay in there right they just they they linger and it's like they just wait for somebody to make a mistake they made you know interception return on defense I saw multiple fourth and one uh, stops from the Duke defense <clears throat> but I also saw when when they hit the fourth quarter that team looked like it was gassed you know obviously they don't have the same depth or the same talent of depth as Florida State, and I think that's what ultimately came back to bite them. But huge kudos, um, huge kudos to the uh, the quarterback for Florida. Uh, I apologize, boys. I don't know his first name. I know his last name's Travis, but that kid did absolutely everything. Jordan, Jordan Travis. Jordan, Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis, thank you. That kid did absolutely everything in that game. Multiple times on third and five plus, I saw him have to scramble out of the pocket and either make a throw or make make a run in order to keep the chains moving. I believe he led the he he, he led the uh, Florida State um, attack on the ground with uh, the most rushing yards, um, and he played he played smart. I mean, he did have one pick, but he played very smart, played with himself. And really was was the difference in the game, in my opinion. He made a lot of, of really key clutch throws uh, late. And obviously, um, you know, they were able to pull away late. But it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of like we talk about when you talk about, like, the disparity in talent. You know, it takes one team, you know, nine minutes to drive down the field, 14 play drive. And then they kick off and the other team takes it back 100 yards for, you know, a kickoff return touchdown. And it's like immediately, you know, the, the team, the other team's right back on the field and they pretty much know, hey, we're going to need another 14-play drive in order to 
you know, um, even this thing up. It just kind of felt like that. Like Duke had to be near perfect, um, and and Florida State, um, you know, did not. But it was it was a fantastic game. If you guys didn't catch it, I would highly highly recommend you do yourself a favor and at the very least go back and watch the highlights. Um, I'm going to say something. I, I've been very high on Michael Penix. He did not have a very good game. I had a lot of buddies, a lot of people surrounding Sports City and other sports hit me up and be like, hey, man, this guy looks horrible. You're all over this kid. You know what? He did, Ty. He, he had a bad game. He was at home. He was playing against a 1-6 or 1-5 team. All those, all those things are accurate. I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses for the kid, but he was playing in bad weather, which he plays in Washington, so you assume that happens pretty often. But it is something that I'm, I'm, I'm obviously monitoring. I still like the kid, but it, it, I've seen, I've seen multiple games now where he gets, he gets a little anxious in the pocket, especially when the when the pocket starts to collapse towards him. So it's something that I'm going to keep an eye on. And then the, the, the USC game, I'm not going to touch on UCLA because I did watch portions of that game, but that, that game was a, was a runaway. You know what? Kudos to UCLA. They're probably the best team in the Pac-12. They actually play defense. They know how to score. Um, they realize there's three phases to the football game, not just one or two. But – I'll give you a perfect example of the microcosm that is the USC Trojans season. As you mentioned, they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner as the quarterback of that team, the most, the most important position on the team, probably going to be the number one overall pick. They're up by one point with 10 seconds to go, and Lincoln Riley and staff call a timeout right before Utah snaps the ball to kick a field goal to ice the kicker, and the snapper's not even looking. It hits him right in the side of the head. Now, they, no timeout, USC wins. They save him with a timeout. They kick the field goal to make it. It's, that has been a microcosm of the USC season. Like anything that could go wrong kind of thing does go wrong, and everything you guys said is totally warranted. You know what? USC can score with the best of them. They've got a lot of talented, you know, offensive pieces. But, man, they don't play any defense. They don't play any defense whatsoever. It looks like you're trotting out a, a, a JV high school team. No disrespect to the guys that are out there. Scheme, I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. I saw a third, I saw a third and one tie where they only had four down linemen. And, 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 only seven guys in the box. Like it, it, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand what it is that's being accomplished here, but you know, it, it's some of this stuff just doesn't make sense to me. Like there's, there's some schematical things that are happening for USC that just doesn't make sense. The way that they line up, like four wide receivers set, and you're running, you know, cover two shell, like. There's just a lot of things that just doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't know if Lincoln thinks he's trying to, you know, uh, hide some deficiencies on the D side, but all I can tell you is, as you boys know, 
most of these kids that are playing on these high-profile schools are three- or four-star athletes. So either you guys need to do a better job of recruiting or coaching, or you need to find different players because the system clearly is not working. Again, like I said uh, when I was talking about that game, I put this at the feet of Lincoln Riley. It's always been like that when he's been coaching. It's always a shootout at the end of the day. I feel bad that you have a quarterback that's in cahoots of trying to get another thing accomplished or getting a Heisman, and it could be ruined because you guys are losing games. I, I know that some of the games that they did lose that he has been turning the ball over, but Caleb Williams, he's already solidified himself as, as being a top pick. He's going to go into the draft and get big money at the end of the day, but try to try to lock this down somewhat. You have 11 guys on that defense, and I don't even feel like none of them are NFL candidate, shall I say. Like, they'll probably go to the combine and try out do what they need to do, but I don't think any team is going to take shots on some of these guys just because they come from a, I don't want to call it a losing mentality because they win games, but it's like they give up plays at the end of the day. And the one thing that I do want to push back on, Brian, because I feel like you're jumping the gun, um, you said UCLA's the best team in the Pac-12. They are playing well. Coach Kelly gets his credit at the end of the day, but they are not better than Washington at this point. Washington may have had a lackluster game up against Arizona State, which I agree with you. That's something that shouldn't happen. But it's always something like that in the middle of a season where that lowly little town in that desert in Nevada got something to do with it. Like, I I really feel like that. Washington's been playing electric all across the board up against everybody. They put up so many points up against Oregon. Who's the better team, Oregon or, or Arizona State? And you see, and it'll be a game like this where it's a trap game where everybody knows about trap games. This, this isn't new English that I'm giving you. Like, I'm not saying this directly to you, Brian. I'm just saying, in general, like these games do happen, and Washington had the wherewithal to get it. The one thing that does bother me is that I'm hoping that they could uh, stick around and get the fourth seed. Like, because I feel like the committee's gonna keep them at five and watch them be on the outside looking in. They're gonna have to wait for somebody to lose and to keep winning at the end of the day, and I don't – that's the one thing that's not fair. They have to try to make this a six or 18 playoff at the end of the day, but it, they take it so long dragging their feet and teams could go through this and, you know, year after year. They'll be like, oh, well, that should that should have happened when we were around and I think our team could have did good. Or, like, um, I used to get into an argument with a guy that I know. Um, he went to UCF and UCF was undefeated. They claimed themselves to be a national championships, uh, national champions, uh, but Alabama had won a national championship. And I'm like, if y'all would have played Alabama, you think y'all would have beat Alabama? And he says, yeah, but in my, like, in my head, I'll say for me, I know Alabama would have closed the door on UCF that year, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Like, committee, you guys got to get it figure it out and stop having these favorites at the end of the day because some of these teams do deserve to get their uh, rifle time in the sun, to say the least bit. Okay. Um, anything else before we get away from it, Mike? And I'll get into these picks for week seven. Uh, real quick, with Duke, man, uh, once Riley Leonard went out, I feel like it was kind of over. You know, the backup came. They couldn't convert, convert the fourth and short, like down in the red zone, like inside the 10-yard line. And I think at the end of the day, I think Florida State was a little bit more physical on the line of scrimmage late in that in that game, and that that really hurt Duke. But uh, to 
Brian's point. I thought that was a a good football game. And then all these teams in the Pac-12, man, they a lot of them still got to play each other. So we'll see, you know, how things shake out in the seasons to come. But I, I mean, in the weeks to come. But I was definitely, I was disappointed that Stanford didn't at least make a little bit better show of themselves after they they came back a week ago. You say they really put it on them, and I'm good, man. All right, so we're going to get into week seven. Poor City, I can't believe, like I said at the beginning of the show, these bird months are moving a little too fast for me, even though I love what you do for me. Um, Poor City, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm so nervous. I really, like, don't know what to do with myself. Okay, Poor City, I, enough is enough. I got to get these guys involved. Um Brian told me that he had to be out. He might be back. We'll see what happens. I do have Mr. Greenwood in the building. Mr. Controversy, good morning. How are you doing? The champ is here. The champ is here. The champ is here. Um, I'm ready for some week seven picks, brother. You talking junk. He got me by one game. He really got lucky. (laughs) If if the Listen, listen, it's the dog on. I'm, I'm going to say this here now. I'm sorry. I got to say this. Just perfect. You're a clown. Prove me that you're not a clown. You are a clown. Um, In a game against Dallas where you know the rush is coming, especially when you've got to score, you can't do nothing. And watching these dudes punish you at the end of the day, uh, I'm – the jury's out on Justin Herbert. I, I'm not even going to lie. When Justin Herbert came out of Oregon, the way Stafford was playing, I wanted Justin Herbert. The way that he's playing now is like, I don't know if he can go into the next level gear. Like, he can be mobile. He can make all of the throws, but he has a losing situation. I don't want to say a mentality, but it happens. He can't really pull the big game, and that's a big game that they needed to get up against the Cowboys. And I did need that in this battle a sports city because me and James were neck and neck going into Monday night. Uh, we both had the same amount of losses. Everybody else was behind us. So um, James got away with it, and just because them boys did it for him. But um, <laughs> let, let's get into week seven because that is something that James did stick to me. I can't, I can't even lie. Okay, so the first matchup we have, very interesting game here. The Las Vegas Raiders are on the road up against the Chicago Bears, in which Justin Fields is out uh, with a hand injury. And um, a lot of speculation in front of Devontae Adams trying to leave. The Raiders said, oh, no, you don't. You're not going anywhere. We gave you a boatload of money. You're staying still. However, I'll go first in saying this. I think the Raiders are on to something. I think they go on Chicago and steal this one. I think the Bears are lining up to tank people. I'm going with the Raiders. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Who do you like and why Raiders or Bears? I agree with you on this one. I, I like the Raiders. I feel like with Justin Fields out, I feel like the Bears are going to have going to struggle in this game. Uh, listen, I, I picked them last week and it bit me, so I'm, I'm not doing it again. Okay, James, who do you like, Raiders or Bears? Um, I'm going to make it a clean sweep. Uh, Justin Fields is the only player outside of DJ Moore that that is currently on the Bears that you can have any faith in. And you can't have faith in DJ Moore without Justin Fields. So it's 
going to be – I think this one's going to be ugly. I'm taking the Raiders big. Cody Komet. Cody Komet. I, I, I like him as a tight end. He's pretty good. Um, but I forgot, James is a Raider fan, so so I get it. I, I apologize for it today. I'm not on my stuff. That's why he went last. Ha, ha, ha. Um, the next <laughs> matchup we <laughs> – the next match that we have are the Cleveland Browns on the road up against the Indianapolis Colts, in which Deshaun Watson is returning. The Browns are favored by three and a half in Indy. I'll go to you first on this one, James. Who do you like and why the Browns or the Colts? I'm, I'm going to take the Browns. Um, with with Watson back, it just solidifies it. Yeah, he might knock a little bit of rust off, but he's been doing that ever since he came back um, last year. Uh, but really, Minshew has not shown what he did in Jacksonville. Let's let's call it what it is. He's throwing up way too many sketchy balls, and you can't do that against this uh, league-leading defense. So I'm going to take the Browns. Mike, who do you like and why? The Browns or the Colts? Yeah, I, I like the Browns in this game. You know, breaking news told everybody last week that that, that that game was going to be close. He didn't predict them winning. But this Browns defense is just nasty. And, you know, I, the last time I saw Gardner Mitchell against a really nasty defense was, you know, last year when he was in Philly with all those weapons. I feel like he's kind of a sitting duck at times. And I, I think the Browns found a way to win this game. Clean sweep so far. I'm going with the Browns as well. I think Deshaun returning is another issue. I think he's going to try and solidify this spot at the quarterback position. This defense is playing strong. I wonder if they can keep it together on turf. That is the interesting thing out there at Indy. Um, just like James said, Gardner Mitchell is going to have to go out there and prove it. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a whole other issue, but that offense is going to have to put points up, up against a strong defense. Uh, Browns across the board, Raiders across the board so far, four cities together so far. Um, here goes another one. <laughs> All of them out the gate are like this. Is there any? Is there anybody in this doggone kitchen that believes the New England Patriots can protect their house up against the Buffalo Bills this afternoon? No, no, no. But let's make it interesting. Uh, eight and a half points is the spread. Do you think they can beat the eight and a half? I think Bills cover. Um, I say they cover. I say they cover. Um, even with I'll, the even I'll, with I'll the pieces that they have to cover. Yeah. You think the? I think the Bills cover. Okay, I so then I'll do that. Bills and cover. James said Pat. Well, Bills, but Pat's cover. I'm gonna watch that. Um, I haven't seen enough of that I, offense from New England to think they can cover that spread. Right, that's what that's what I'm saying. And um, Mac Jones, I'm I'm sorry, but this is I feel like this is their last season playing with him, unless next year they really have a plan to try to make this with him for one more year. I think they're done. This offense has been futile. Like they haven't been able to do anything, and this is this is alarming to see a Patriots offense look like this. Yes, I know they are limited on pieces and so on and so forth, but come, come on. You guys got to at least give me at least give – me, give me 10 to 12 points. I feel like I'm asking for a lot. I'm asking for a lot. People are coming in the Gillette and pounding you guys out. Pounding you guys out. I don't know. Okay. The 
I don't even want to stay on that long because I could kill the Patriots right now. <laughs> the next game is a very interesting one. I wish I had all of them here, but they're not. The Washington Commanders are on the road up against the New York Giants, in which the Commanders are favored in East Rutherford by three. Who do you guys like and why? I'll come to you first, Mike. Commanders or Giants? So do we know for sure who's playing quarterback for the Giants in this game? From what I was hearing, I was hearing Daniel Jones was going to play, but I'm not certain. I'm not certain. I would have uh, to look at the injury report to see if he's giving it a go. James, do you, are you aware of it or yes or no? Um, I, I don't have it, but I can bring it up in just a second. So go ahead and take okay. the last and I'll let you know. I feel right. like if Tyrod Taylor plays, the Giants have a legitimate shot in this game. Uh, and I know that sounds bad, like I'm pouring on Daniel Jones. But listen, the Giants have to win at some point at home, don't they? Uh, so I guess I'm going to go with the Giants. Uh I haven't picked them since week two against the Cardinals, and they did win that game. So I'm going to go with the Giants at home, but I don't feel good about it. Um, I don't care if Daniel Jones is quarterbacking. I don't care if Tyrod Taylor's quarterbacking. I don't care if Mike Harvey's quarterbacking. I'm going with my pops and them. I'm going with the commanders to get this done. I feel like they got enough weapons to get this done. And their run and pass game, um, the way that that offensive line has looked for the Giants, I, I, I feel like this may be Chase Young's day to at least get a sack, at least get a sack. Um, if he doesn't, then there's, there's questions in front of Chase Young, especially me being the fan that I am of my team, and they're gawking at trying to get Chase Young. He has not put up the numbers that they want for him uh, with the commanders right now. So, I think this is a prove it game to keep them afloat above 500 right now. The the commanders are doing what they can within this season. And the one thing that did stir up in the kitchen a few weeks ago, me, Barry, and Sirius had a discussion on which team had the most uh, potential or talent. Barry was saying the Giants. Sirius said the commanders. I was like, whoa, wait, wait. I think it's the Giants, and I apologize because the commanders were off and running with better talent, and it's showing that, too. I'm I'm going with the commanders. Um, James, your thoughts on the game, and is Daniel Jones a go, yes or no? Uh, So um, Daniel Jones is expected to be out today, um, but I'm with you. I actually give them better odds with uh, Tyrod Taylor than with Daniel Jones, to be completely 100% honest. Jones has been um, – actually, he's listed as questionable, but no uh, – it's going to be a game-time decision, but not expected to play as of right now. Um, so – but I am also taking the commanders. Um, the Giants are bad. It, they, are, they are very, very, very bad. Um Jones playing or Jones not playing, this would be the wrong game to bring Daniel Jones back because that's a pass rush that can get to the quarterback, and this offensive line is missing. I think they came into the season with nine offensive linemen, and eight of them got injured thus far this season. So it's 
bad. It's bad, bad. They're picking up guys who are bagging groceries at Walmart, like, um, three weeks ago, blocking for their $40 million quarterback. It's not a smart way to do things, but Jones is, like I said, questionable. Um, I wouldn't play him, but it doesn't matter to me either way. I'm going to take take the commanders to win. Can I start some drama? Since you missed the controversy, I'm going to start some drama in here. Poor City, I don't want to do it, but I got to. Are the Giants tanking? Do you think these guys are tanking to get Caitlin Williams? Like, did they? I don't think they can because I, I think, like, the Bears are falling like you're getting them. But wouldn't it look right for them to get Caleb in New York? I, I, don't, so I don't know. The is that they can't really. Like, they're already play, paying D. Jones a four-year contract with $40 million per. They can't cut themselves loose from that contract for at least two years. So, otherwise, they're going to just eat a huge cap hit. But, but if they did happen to get the number one overall pick, they could probably sell it for a King's Ransom. Retool right. the offensive line. Get him a wide right. receiver too. See, so this, is, this is the thing, right? And I seen it last week. Tyrod Taylor looked all right with this offense up against the Bills defense. Against the Bills defense, I don't want to hear it. Oh, the offensive line is offensive line. Is. Yeah, they are bad. Their offensive line is bad, no doubt. But Tyrod almost won that game. If the Giants would have ran the ball at the one-yard line and let Saquon do his thing, I don't know why the Giants don't really want to believe in Saquon Barkley, but they put everything on his shoulders. But at the end of the game, at the one-yard line, you don't want to give him a fullback to try to challenge their defensive line at the line of scrimmage. I, I don't get it. But they threw the ball, and the ball goes out of bounds. And that was a pass interference. NFL, you owe the Giants. You owe them. That was a pass interference. That last one took Waller uh, as well. But that's neither here nor there. Tyrod did well. I'm not going to say great, good, all of No, he did well enough to have them in that game to lose 14-9 to in Buffalo. So it's manageable. It's bad. No, no, no. It's bad. That offensive line is bad. I'm not going to just sit up here and just, you know, excuse that situation, but Tyrod did what he was supposed to do. So one of these quarterbacks is ready behind that offensive line. I wonder if and when Daniel Jones comes back, do they just automatically just put him right back in here and they start losing and then they, do they look at themselves in the mirror like, is this what we're doing? Is this what you're doing? Like, so I, I don't know. Sports I'm starting trouble. I am. I am. Um, so but it, it, yeah, it feels, the thing is, like said the question part out loud. Um, when when he was on I was when he was on TV before he became the the coach of the Broncos, he said, "Hey man, there's gonna be a lot of teams tanking for for Caleb Williams. He's just that good." That's that's what I'm trying to say, and I didn't even build it off of that at all. I'm, I'm doing this right here in her now here in the kitchen. That I, I feel like the way the Giants are losing and getting Daniel Jones pummeled and. The way that they can't put points up is, is just interesting, especially the way that they lost the Buffalo. Just like I said, like that's a game that they should have won. They they were at the goal line. They were literally with a with a, a penalty, a, a pass interference in the end zone. Like Tyrod could fall for that. He could call. He could just fall forward. Like I, Sports City, I could do this for hours. Okay, <laughs> the next match we have are the Atlanta Falcons 
on the road up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in which both of the teams have three wins. Tampa Bay is favored by three at home. This is an interesting one. The Falcons have a heck of a losing streak on the road. Um, I'll go first. I'm going with Tampa to win this game just because they said the Falcons' uh, losing streak may continue. The the one bright spot for me is B. John Robinson. Um, as much as I wanted Kyle Pitts to be the guy there, they they just don't feature him enough in the offense. I don't want him to be a dud. I don't want to call him a bust. But, I, you know, just like the, he's a good player that they just don't give the opportunity to shine as much as he can because he's a good, talented tight end. But at the end of the day, they have to figure that offense out at the end of the day. But while that's happening, I think Tampa continues their – I don't want to call it rain, but stay at the atop the NFC South. I'm going with the Bucks. Um, Mike, I'll come to you next. Your thoughts on this game, Falcons or Bucks? I agree with you. I, I'm going with the Bucks as well. I think Atlanta has the edge in the rushing game, but uh, I, I think Tampa can throw the ball on these guys. I understand that AJ Terrell is a good corner, but you got Evans, you got Goblin, you got weapons. Um, I think Baker Mayfield can do enough to get this done at home against Atlanta. James, who do you like in this game, Falcons or Bucks in Tampa? I promised myself that I would never pick a team quarterbacked by Baker Mayfield. But I'm also going to have to take the Bucks. I, I was right there. I was on the cusp of taking the Falcons going against the going against the grain, but. One name just stands out on me that's going to play today um, on the injury report that if he wasn't, I would have went the other way, and that's Vita Vea. Vita Vea is a 325-pound behemoth that's going to just clog the middle for that run game of the Atlanta Falcons. So I am going to take Tampa Bay, begrudgingly. All right, Sports City. It comes down to this. <laughs> I'm so nervous about this dog on game. I don't know what to do with myself. Help me. Help me. Um, my boys, the Detroit Lions go into the bank up against the Baltimore Ravens, in which the Ravens are favored at home by three points. Um, I'll come to you first on this one, Mike. Your thoughts on this one? The Lions or the Ravens. You know, this is a very interesting game and probably the game in the early window that I'm most looking forward to seeing today. Uh, I read something that Lamar Jackson's record against the NFC is crazy uh, as far as how many games he's won against that conference. And they have this game at home. But I, I I just love what the Lions are doing offensively. I think their defense is holding up really good against the run as well. And you can't win every game you play against the other conference in the matter. Uh, and I think that today, Lamar Jackson takes one of his few losses against the NFC. I like the Lions in a close game. Uh, you know, the last time they met, it took a, a you know 200-yard field goal from Justin Tucker uh, to win that game. This Lions team is a lot better, and I'm not sure that that, that this Ravens team is as good. So 
I like the I like the lines on the road in a close contest. James Greenwood, um, your thoughts on this game? The Lions in Baltimore. Uh, I I spent more time thinking about this game over the course of this week than any other game on the docket this week. I've watched YouTube videos. I've read articles. I've done the gambit at least an hour a day thinking about listening or researching this particular game. Because this game, I don't even want to touch, honestly. It's because, I mean, <laughs> on one hand, the Detroit Lions are one of the one of the best teams against the run, but when the quarterback decides to pull down the ball and run, they're significantly worse. David Montgomery's out, Marvin Jones is out, and Jonah Jackson is out for this game. Jameer Gibbs is back. First time since um, the season that Jameer Gibbs and um, and Jamison Williams are going to be on the field at the same time with each other. At the same time, the um, the Baltimore Ravens, we keep on hearing, oh, who have the Lions played? Who have the Lions played? Who have the Lions played? Who have the Ravens played? The Bengals with a gimpy um, Joe Burrow? <sighs> I'm going to take the Ravens because they're at home. It's it's my it's the the only way I could parse this matchup. If the Lions do pull this out, though, they're probably not losing until they play the Cowboys. If they lose to the Cowboys, otherwise there's going to be some letdown game against a divisional opponent that they shouldn't lose to. There's three hard games left on this roster for the Detroit Lions. This is one. The Chargers another, and then finally the Dallas Cowboys sometime after the bye. So if they can pull this one off, it's almost downhill from here. But I'm taking the Ravens to to take a, um, I would almost call it a scheduled loss um, for Detroit. Um, for City, if he's telling you that he's been watching YouTube and all type of clippings. What you think I've been doing all week? Like, like I can't get it out of my head because I am a Lamar Jackson fan. I love the way that he makes it difficult on defenses, and that is the one thing that the Lions struggle with is a mobile quarterback. Even in the game against the Seahawks, Gino was picking up yards, and Gino was moving the ball, uh, picking up 10 to 20-yard runs here or there, and it's like, they still have to figure that out, especially being on the road. Um, this is going to be a real uphill battle for the Lions. The crazy part about this is, is it's like a a battle of the undefeated situation. Um, Lamar Jackson is undefeated at home against NFC teams. He hasn't lost. He's seven and zero. The Lions are undefeated on the road this year. They have not lost on the road this year. So this is an interesting matchup. Um, I really think that's that's where the game is going to be won. Who can actually outdo who? Um, Baltimore's offense compared to Detroit's defense. Um, I think that I think can decide the game. 
knowing that that's the strong point of Baltimore's team is their rushing attack and knowing Detroit has the best run defense in the NFL, not the NFC, the NFL. So this is a very interesting matchup. The over-under is low. <laughs> the, the, the Ravens are favored by three is basically this is almost a pick to me at the end of the day. But uh, I got four words. And if you're from Motown, you know what I'm saying. Forward down the field. That's it. And, James, I got to say this to you. I feel, I feel like the Chargers are overrated. Everybody's feeling like the Chargers are going to throttle the lines. They're going to throttle the lines. I feel like, especially if the Giants take care of business today, I think they're going to go in the sofa and slap the Chargers around. I, I, if, if they win this game today, I think the Chargers are in trouble. I know Eckler's going to try and do his work, and Keenan Allen is a problem, so on and so forth. I, I think there won't be no stop in Detroit if they could get off and, and running after getting this game. I'm forward down the field. If you don't know, now you know. All right, Sports City. Now they made me get brolic. I was nervous. Now I'm tough right now. I, I must say the can of spinach. Okay, the next matchup I have is the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road up against the Los Angeles Rams. This is an interesting matchup taking place in so far. This is the place that I just said. Uh, I'll come to you first on this one, James. Who do you like in Los Steelers or Rams? Uh, I'm taking the Rams. Um, I can't trust the Steelers. They pulled out a miracle victory against the um, against the Ravens, but that's all it was. That was probably Matt Canada's best called game in the in, in his entire career, and they still only got 17 points. Um, I'm taking Cooper Cup. I'm taking Matthew Stafford. I'm taking um, Sean McVay. I I don't even think this one's going to be as close as people think it's going to be. I'm taking the Rams. Mike, who do you like and why? Rams or Steelers? Pretty much for the same reasons I like the Rams. The Steelers have to show me something in more than one week, and that offense still looked inept. And so I think the Rams win at home. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going with the Steelers in this matchup. Uh, reason being, um, and, and this is a funny little whim because I've seen it majority of his career, Matthew Stafford struggles against those Watt brothers, whether it's J.J. or T.J., they get to him. And uh, Deontay Johnson's back. I feel like their receivers could make it tough on the corners in L.A. also. I think this is going to be a very interesting game, especially with trade talks rolling around Najee, too. I think Najee makes this interesting on their run game as well. Um, If they could try to neutralize Aaron Donald up front, I feel like the Steelers can get this done. The sole per- person I'm looking at in this one is Pickett. If Kenny Pickett could do his job, don't turn the ball over, I feel like the Steelers could get out of California with the win. I'm going with the curtain, the terrible towels of Pittsburgh. The next matchup we have is the Arizona Cardinals on the road in Seattle. Seattle is favored by nine and a half. Um, a lot of things are happening with the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler is back. Um, a lot of interesting things. I don't. I don't think they hang around. But I, I, I'll do it the best way I can. Sports City. Does anybody in this kitchen believe the Cardinals can go into the Northwest region and stop the Seahawks in the twelfth man? Nope. 
Okay, across the board, <laughs> I make that simple. Seahawks it is. Even though I'm watching that close, y'all. I'm watching that close. I am. I'm going to put an asterisk next to mine. I am watching it, though, but I, I feel like the Seahawks should uh, take care of business in this matchup. Okay. Um, this <laughs> this game is so scary. This is not funny, right? The Green Bay Packers are taking on the Denver Broncos in Colorado. Green Bay favored by a point. This is basically a pick em. Who do you guys like and why? I'll come to you first on this one, Mike. Packers or Broncos? I'm going to take the Packers uh, just because, uh, I don't know, you got Christian Watson back. Uh, I think they can run the ball on this Denver team. I'm not impressed with Denver's defense. Uh, The Packers have their problems too. I think they're a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think they continue uh, Sean Payton's uh, struggle bus in season one. And the Packers win in Denver today. Uh, James, who do you like in this game, Packers or Broncos? I'm also taking the pack. Um, <laughs> I, I, you said you were you were wondering if the Giants were tanking for Caleb Williams. I think the Broncos are tanking for for Caleb Williams. Um, I'm, I'm almost sure of it. So, um, and when you are an underdog, if you are a road favorite, you win more often than not. So I'm taking the pack. I never thought about that, James. You made me think about that right now. Um, I'm starting trouble, though. I'm going with the Broncos. I'm taking the Broncos. I feel like this could stir up more trouble in Green Bay right now. Um, Green Bay has lost a lot of games that they should not be losing, especially with people approaching this saying that Green Bay is still the cream of the crop in the NFC North. Um, if they lose this game, they'll still be in second place in the NFC North, and this will put a bigger gap in between what's going on uh, at the top of the uh, the division at this point in time. I really feel like this is a, a, a must win for Denver at this point in time. I mean, they let too many games slide by. This is a winnable game up against a Packers team that doesn't really have a true identity. And um, I think Sertan and them, they actually could neutralize uh, what Christian and company could do on the outside, um, even though I do got Romeo Dobbs for fantasy, I do. But um, I'm going with the Broncos to stir up a little trouble and get Sean Payton to address the media. If not, then I I, I, I got to give James a ton of credit because I think Denver might be getting ready to get rid of Russell Wilson. And this will be a whole new world of <laughs> looking at that con- contract and how it's all for not, and this dude is going to get paid for nothing. I'm going with the Broncos uh, in Colorado. Um, the next matchup is the one that I was talking junk about. The two and three Chargers go to Arrowhead up against the five and one Chiefs. Um, I will go first on this one. Chiefs double digits. <laughs> I, I think that the Chargers going to have to prove to me that they can keep up with Mahomes and company. Um, Mahomes is, and this is the one thing about the Chiefs that I'm, I'm looking at is. Um, the power rankings and um, knowing that everybody either has the Eagles, the Niners, the Chiefs are in the midst of it, the Lions, um, you know, so on and so forth. That's how the, the lottery goes right now with the power rankings. 
and the Chiefs, it's not like they're getting overlooked, but they're not being put at the top. And they're still 5-1. and one. The only loss they have was week one against the Lions. Everybody else, they're taking care of business. They're still trying to figure out their identity. I think this is a game that they kick, take care of business. And um, Justin Herbert, you're going to end up 2-4 and four with the contract that they just gave you. I'm alarmed that this is how you look. I'm going with the Chiefs big, at least double digits. Um, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Uh, Chargers Chiefs. I'd like the Chiefs to get that six straight win and take care of business in this game. I will say, though, that somehow, some way, every time they match up against the Chargers, it ends up being closer than I expected. I, I don't know that it's a, as wide a margin as you're talking, but I think the Chiefs win. I think they go to 6-1, and one, and then I think when the Chargers lose this game, that you start seeing the heat get turned up on Brandon Staley's seat because you can't change the quarterback. And eventually I think that you're – this is probably going to be the beginning of the end for that coach this year. And eventually you're going to see a coaching change in L.A. And I don't like that talk right now because if the Chargers do worse, that's the job Ben Johnson's going to take. I don't want him to leave. I don't want him to leave. I don't want him to leave. Um, James, who do you like in this one, Chargers or Chiefs? I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. Um, ever since Mike Williams had uh, went out, and it, it sounds weird to talk about a number two wide receiver in the in this fashion, but ever since Mike Williams has um, been out, the Chargers have not just, they just haven't been themselves. They haven't been playing to the same level that they've been playing when he's, when he's in the building. And that's with a first round wide receiver waiting in the wings. It still hasn't worked out. So until the Chargers can prove that they can win without Mike Williams. You've got to go with Kansas City. Okay, so the last little bit of Sunday games, because there's a lot of buys this week. Um, waiting all day for Sunday night, the game of the day, I think, um, outside of the Lions and the Ravens. Well, the game of the night, <laughs> I say, let me say it that way. Um the Miami Dolphins are on the road in Pennsylvania up against the Philadelphia Eagles, in which the Eagles are favored by three in the middle of the – Mike, I'll come to you first on this one. Dolphins or Eagles, who do you like? I'll be honest with you. This is a game I'm really excited to see. I want to see how Tua stands up against that pass rush because that uh, Philly defensive front's pretty nasty. Uh, I think at the end of the day – I like the Phillies' defense a little bit better, uh, and I think the fact that it's at home is going to help them. I think the Eagles win this game, but I think it's going to be very entertaining. And, you know, you got these two guys who played together at Alabama for a little while, and so now, you know, they try to spell it like the, a rivalry between the two guys. But I think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles win, but I expect this to be a fun game to watch tonight. I'm excited for this one on Sunday night when you look at some of the clunkers we've had the last few weeks. James, who do you like in this matchup, Dolphins or your Eagles? The other hardest game of the week. Um, I'm going to take the Eagles. I really shouldn't, 
because the Dolphins have been running rough shot offensively on every defense they've gone against. But I, but the one thing that's making the difference is Jalen Ramsey being out cornerback position, which means that either Devonta Smith or um, or AJ Brown are going to find their ways to get open, and that's what's going to make the difference. I'm going to take the Eagles. Well, I've been doing it all day today. I have at least two of them where I did it. This is the third. I'm going with the Dolphins on the road to shock the Eagles. I feel like they got the uh, the pop gun on the side of the field to do with that little straw hat and the ribbon around it. On your mark, get set, pow, and it's a track meet. I, I really feel like they're going to put Slay and those boys up to the test right now. And Tyreek is damaging the league right now after six weeks of play. This guy has 800 yards receiving or more at this point in time. Tyreek is incredible at this point in time. But to me, it's between Tyreek, Devontae, or Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's hurt. Right now, Tyreek is the guy at the receiver position in the league. Um, and I, I think this is a game where everybody gets to see it. Sunday night, you, you can't hide from the speed. If they could try to neutralize it, they can. But I, I don't think Slate could keep up with him all day long. And I think Slate may still be nursing something, too. So we'll see. But I'm I'm going with Miami to get it done um, in the middle of Philly at the end of the day. Okay, so for Monday night, is there anybody in this doggone kitchen that believes the Vikings can protect their house up against the San Francisco 49ers? No. <laughs> with no Justin Jefferson. Let's throw that right out there. That's a fat old what, – what's the spread on this? Is it 14? The spread is six and a half. It's up to something. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take – I'm going to take the 49ers to win and to cover. Yeah, I think – Don't forget Debo is out. Debo is out. I know Debo is out. I'm not sure on <laughs> McCaffrey's status at this point. Say that again? I just He's trending towards playing, but I think that's part of why the spread's much lower than we would have expected because we don't have a confirmation yet that McCaffrey's going to play. But I, I think the I think the Niners win in cover. Yeah, I, I put the Niners down for all of us. So if if you if you think something different, just let me know. I'll I'll change it. But I I did across the board Niners take care of business in Minnesota. Um, I just feel bad. I mean, I, part of me, the analytical side feels bad, and the fan of me is like, pour it on them. <laughs> Beat Minnesota. Because <laughs> these dudes uh, went 13-4 last year, and, and my mom was a Viking fan. She's like, yeah, we got the the, the run when um, one score wins is down the third. I was like, I got to give it to you. You guys are winning, mom, you know. And now she's not talking that junk, but. You know, she loved her team, and she's like, Tigers, get rid of Kirk Cousins. I don't – and it's like, I'm like, Kirk putting up numbers, Ma. He's putting up numbers. But um, she's like, no, you just can't win games. I'm like, I know. So, I, I, like I said, part of me feel bad. Part of me feel like the, the Grinch that stole Christmas with that smile. Like, yeah, keep, keep it going. Keep it going. But um, then this is my brother's team. My brother's a Niner fan. So, it's like my mom versus my brother. 
So, of course, I'm watching it because it's Monday Night Football like that. Okay, so Sports City, we are at the end of the show. Great stuff. I'm 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 short on this because we we got so many teams that had a bye this week, and uh, my fantasy is I, I feel like I'm in trouble because of the bye. I got so many players that I had to like sit on my fantasy football team, man. So this I got my fingers crossed and, and hoping they could put this together. I need plugs and closeouts from each of you as we shut this brunch down on an electric second-to-last birth Sunday of October. That's for sure. James, hit him up. Let's get up out of here. Well, since we're talking fantasy football a little bit, um, three guys you should really think about trading for right now before they start blowing up again. Devontae Adams has had a few bad weeks. He might be able to be had for a lot cheaper than you think. Jameer Gibbs, just coming off the injury. Uh, hadn't played well before that, but you're going to want him before week nine. Quote, or, um, hear me now, quote me later. Um, SportsDayChefs.com, the interviews, the blogs, the chefs. You'll see me here next week. Peace out. And I got a couple of game-changer picks, so it's, it's got to either go my way or his way. He got me last week by one little game. I had to wait till Monday night to figure out that I lost because of doggone Justin Herbert. I'm going to fight him. All right. Mike, I need a plug. Close out anything that you like to promote as we shut it down here at the brunch. Listen, he told you the website, sportscitychefs.com. We've got shows throughout the week. Join Royce on Mondays and Fridays with all-you-can-eat fantasy basketball stuff with the regular season tipping off this week. That's going to be really exciting. Got the NFL front office show on Tuesday nights. Call us cookout on Wednesdays. We're going to be back with Roundtable Gumbo this Thursday. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time, and once again, the time of Sunday morning brunch. On uh, Sunday mornings, thanks again for having me, TP. Uh, shout out to other chefs that have been in the building, to Controversy, to Breaking News, Brian Hughes, and uh, to the other chefs that are part of our community, Dylan, Sirius, uh, Chandler, uh, Dave, and even Nate, man. I hadn't heard from Nate in a long time, but shout out to all the chefs that uh, are part of what we do here. Remember, you can uh, listen to all of our shows even on your smart speakers and Amazon devices, even listen to archive shows. But anytime you uh, click on one of our shows and or articles, like and subscribe to our content if it resonates with you. Numbers help us a lot. Thanks to PHI Apparel. Check them out, phiapparel.co. Promo code CHEFS at checkout for 15% off. Eagles are rocking it. Phillies are rocking it. And uh, we're happy that they decided to be to sponsor our content, man. And until next time, bro, laissez-les bon temps roulés. Peace. Well, see, I'm nervous. I don't even know if I want to close the show. <laughs> like, I, want, I want to say it before 1 o'clock here, man, because this game got me at the edge of my doggone seat. But somebody got to win, man. Somebody got to go at it, man. These boys in blue or the black and purple birds, man. I, I really can't wait for this to go down. SportsCityChefs.com. Check out the website. The interviews, the blog, the chefs. Works will be here tomorrow. Fantasy basketball in it up. This is the week of the basketball season. It's about to kick off. I'm telling you, the bird months is like Christmas around, especially around here. Um, y'all just stay entertained as best as possible. I know I'm. I, I got to try to figure out what I'm doing for the game meal right now. I got to figure out if I'm gonna be nervous. Well, I'm, I'm nervous. Well, I keep saying I'm nervous, so I can't. I can't even talk to y'all anymore. Sports City or not? No, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know. Now they know. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city.